Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to Space Floor NBA Podcast. My name is Connor Gielen. And I'm Connor Flannery. This is our 69th official episode. We're back in person, man. I'm happy. Feels good. This kid's we said this I, We said this last time, and we were like, oh, it's great to be back in person. Then we had like two more episodes on Zoom, and now we're back in person again. Yeah. Hopefully hopefully for the rest of the school year this time. Yeah, and so we've been we've been out for like two or three weeks or something. So We haven't recorded an episode since the playoffs started. Yeah, dude. It's our cool. last episode was, was first-round playoff predictions, which... Some of our takes were right, some were very wrong. Dude, and we so... Can, we, we could talk a little bit about yeah, that, but yeah, we could. we'll probably get to it. So, we we watched the first round together. We watched, the, the, like, the later first round together. I went yeah, over to yeah. Hit, I slept over his place for a few days, and so... I remember watching the watching the Thunder Rockets games with you were so fun, because I said Thunder... Or exactly. You, you said yeah. Thunder in seven, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said Rockets in six, and it ended up being Rockets in seven... But I still, dude, I still stand by that prediction. I, was... I became the biggest Thunder fan. <laughs> just very to be quickly. right. Just, yeah, just, just to be right. Just cause, and, and I wouldn't even say it's always true, but it was like the the, rock, the Rockets went up 2-0, and you immediately were like, I told like talking you. so much trash. Because I, I said in the episode, it was like, when we were thinking that Russell Westbrook was going to be out for two or three games out of that series, and he ended up being out for like five. But I was like, yeah, the Thunder should win like both of the games Russell Westbrook's out. And then, and, then the, the, and then they went up 2-0 without Russell Westbrook. I was, and so I'm like, I was like, like low-key panicking. I was like, I was like, wait, the Rockets are about to sweep them. And I, and I said that they would win every game that Russell Westbrook was out. And, and this man's like going off into like the NBA group chat like, yo. You so, blithering idiot. Thank, thankfully, even though I just sort of exposed myself, the, the Thunder came back uh, and they still lost in seven. Dude, it was. But Chris Paul showed up. Beautiful, as I said, man. as I said, he would um, to at least make it a series when everybody counted them out. Honestly, the fact and I'm getting my games confused, but wasn't Game Seven like super close? It, it was quite close. Wasn't yeah, it? I mean, honestly, I, that was I, like that was like well over a week ago, probably two weeks ago at this point. But that was yeah, that was a ridiculous game. The Nuggets uh, Jazz series was awesome too. Yeah, um, so one thing that stood out to me, and I remember saying this to you, is that. With the with the Jazz Nuggets series and with the Rockets Thunder series, you have they both won Game Seven. So you have what forty eight times seven? I forget how how much, but I did the, I did the numbers. Like I think like three hundred twenty four minutes or something like that. Whatever, mm. like like three hundred ish minutes of basketball. Two teams playing hard as they can, and it comes down to the last. 15 seconds i was i was telling it to my mom last night because of course there was the there was the double overtime game um i'm like now you're forgetting what that was was that uh, that was celtics that was, okay Raptors. yeah it was celtics i missed Raptors. it that was it. that was also a really exciting game um but but i was telling them i was like sometimes i wish nba games were shorter because i because i've been sitting here for the last two and a half hours <laughs> just for it to like be stu- be tied basically going into overtime it basically starts from zero zero all over again it does and you just have five zero, minutes zero all over again. so it's basically the only difference is that now everybody's nerves are running adrenaline's <laughs> pumping and everybody's gassed but other than that it's basically just a new game from zero zero yeah so i don't know it's interesting but that's it's sort of it, i love that the feeling of throughout a playoff game 
it gets like more and more hype and more and more intense to where it builds up and like yeah. even though there's no fans you're yeah. like on the edge of your seat like come on and exactly that was the, what you mean. the yeah. thunder the thunder game that was like that was the peak of that but the double overtime game was pretty cool too yeah and dude let's just let's talk let's appreciate yeah the nuggets jazz series for for sure that's that's the best first round series i can remember yeah and i don't we, i can't we haven't been around for a while but. yeah yeah not that i can like reminisce on that many but, but yeah definitely the best first round series i can remember watching that was i mean the the absolutely like offensive explosions from uh Donovan mitchell and jamal murray were ridiculous of course and then i love that in game seven we saw rudy gobert and nicole Jokic kind of go head to head with a couple of like they each had basically like five big minutes where one was like clearly outplaying the other so like the Nuggets were up big, like 20 points. Then the Jazz come roaring back because Rudy Gobert got like three blocks on, on Jokic and like a couple M1s and all of a sudden the Jazz right back in it and then Jokic closes it out with that hook and he had a couple nice passes. Shout out to my man. He's got, so the, he's got the Nugget shirt on. I can't on. go one episode without <laughs> praising Jokic. <laughs> it's kind of bad at this point, but... Unbiased. So that was sort of my favorite part was that like Jokic was kind of quiet all series. People were like, "You were poking fun at me." Dude, like, I was Jamal being... Murray's the best player on the Nuggets. Dude, he was playing like the best player on the Nuggets. I, I can't even deny that. In a it's full true, seven but... game series, Jamal Murray was the best player on the true, Nuggets. True. True. Um. He. Yeah. I. Jokic doesn't have have it in him to go off for like a fifty point game. Um. But Jamal does. Apparently, Jamal does. Point guard, college graduate. I tweeted. I tweeted alumnus. something like that. I was like, if um. If Jamal Murray can play like that at the end of games, like the Nuggets are a real contender. That's kind of all they all they need is like a serious closer. And in the past, I think their problem and and why we never really considered them like a real threat is like even at the beginning of the year, I was like, okay, yeah, the Nuggets are gonna be like a two or three seed and they're gonna lose in the first round again. And I would and I would have told you that like last year was to the Spurs, right? Did they lose the Spurs? They barely beat the Spurs. Okay, so they made it out of the first round last year too. So. Never mind, I Barely, guess. Barely, but they were, they were the two seed, and they, they went were seven games be, yeah. against, against, like, a bad Spurs team. And I would argue this Jazz team was a lot more dangerous than that Spurs team. Which, honestly, like, it totally shouldn't have been. Like With the, no Bogdanovich? Yeah, with no Bogdanovich. It was like, like, Jamal Murray just went nuclear, but also yeah. Donovan Mitchell had the best seven-game stretch of his career, and he's been in, like, three playoffs, mm-hmm. right? But yeah, but I, I think that I shouldn't, I think sort of the reason that we've been saying, well, the Nuggets are a great regular season, but they're not going to do much in the playoffs— I think it's because that we've we've just associated them with like not having a closer. Isn't like you can show up and like you can have a bunch of great offensive players and be a really deep team, but if you don't have that guy that's going to show up and you know score ten points in the last two minutes to just like seal off the win, then it kind of doesn't matter. Um, in in this series, Jamal Murray was that. Can he continue to be? We shall see. Um, I hope so. He's a very of course now they're down three cool one. Uh, to the Clippers, and they're not going to come back. They're not going to come back. But, I mean, they showed flashes in the, in this year's playoffs. And, and the Jazz, uh, I was I, think I was talking to you about this, is like, there was, there was a report that came out that was like, the Jazz were not who they thought they could, like, they, they were like, they didn't, they didn't achieve everything they wanted to this year, and they weren't even who they thought they were, or something like that. Like, ESPN released something that basically thought said like the Jazz were being pretty negative after this series, and me and you sort of agree that like they overperformed, you know, like they they exceeded expectations in this series. So I don't know why they would be sort of down on themselves. Yeah, dude. I think 
I hope we get another Jamal Murray versus Donovan Mitchell series. And the fact that I'm saying that over a Jokic uh, Donovan Mitchell series or a Jokic Gobert series speaks volumes to just the jump that both of them have made. Um, That's true. I I mean, uh, I think uh, Donovan Mitchell, sorry, just signed an extension with the Jazz, right? Like five years or something like that. He deserves it. Go get your bag. Exactly. But but what I'm saying is I I think he's going to be in Utah for a while longer, and and I'm going to guess that Jamal Murray will be too. So we could be seeing the same series next year as well. Um, And if so, that would be cool. I have an observation. I want to let you know. I want to see what you think. Uh-huh. I've noticed that in this playoffs, maybe because I'm watching more games from the opening tip to the final buzzer, but I've noticed that throughout the game, a team can be up 20 and then just lose. They can lose True. the game. And I feel like... Or I feel up like that, 3-1 and lose. Or, <laughs> yeah. or be up 3-1 and lose. But, but mostly inside of a game, a 15-point lead does not feel like a lot. I, I, it we, almost we saw, happened with the Rockets last night. We, yeah, we, I don't know if you yeah, watched that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I watched that. With the Rockets, it happened a lot versus the Thunder. Um, it happened in the Jazz Nuggets series a lot. The Nuggets would just be down 20, or the Jazz would be down 20, and then it would go to the final buzzer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it happened a lot in the Clippers-Mavs series, where the Mavericks would be down, or the Clippers would be down. It happened both ways. It would it would happen for both ways. It wouldn't just be like, oh, like this one team is, is good at it. No, it would happen for both series, mm-hmm. um, and within each series it would happen for both teams yeah would do you attribute personally i think i attribute that to three pointers it's just easier to to catch up i was gonna i was gonna say yeah i remember we talked about before the playoffs you were mentioning there's something about like you know like the short the short gym you don't have the like huge stadium behind the rims and so actually it's easier for shooters with like their depth perception and like fewer distractions um as well as the NBA just moving towards more three-pointers in general. They were saying what one of the commentators said last night with the Rockets, it was like they got a couple stops, hit a couple threes, and it went from an 18-point game to a five-point game. And that's sort of all it took. And so it's like with with the threes and with the ability of shooters to get hot, and especially with the Rockets, who are arguably the most dangerous three-point shooting team in basketball, if not the history of basketball, like a, a, a lead can really just evaporate like that. Yeah, it's like and the Lakers still won, but it, it's went, like it was it, close. It, if you're running a race versus someone else and you're behind in the race, you're do, you're behind 18 points in the race. Mm-hmm. If you have longer, if you have longer legs, sure. if you have longer strides, you can catch up quicker. And that's well, of course, three, yeah. threes are greater than twos. Yeah, so, uh, that's that's point. one observation I wanted to know. Um, and then I, we should. I think we should talk about. You're my, you're my, you're Miami, Miami Heat. Miami Heat. I got the jersey. I got the Miami Vice. You know what I'm saying? I mean, eight in one in the playoffs. They were seven and zero at one I point. Did, I did not see this coming. I was gonna say I the same thing. Did not see this coming. Them, them, and the Celtics have both surprised me. The Celtics have apparently cooled off because now they're tied with the Raptors. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that too. Yeah, I have some bragging. Because um, I mean, the Celtics started off six and zero, and the Heat started off seven and zero in the playoffs. But we'll start with the Heat. Um, even though people were saying, like, I, I think ESPN released some polls. Like, they polled fans. It was, like, 60%, 67% of fans said that the Heat were going to beat the Bucks, right? And, and I had, I had like, a couple of my friends text me, like, 
heard it here first. Like, here come the Heat. They're gonna beat the Bucks. And I like didn't really take it that seriously. Shout out I was to like, Piotr Kozlowski was on the was on the wave. <laughs> All right. He was on the wave. Like before game one of the of the Heat Bucks series, he was like he's like guys. Why are we even gonna watch it? It's not gonna be entertaining. We know who's gonna win. The Heat. We know it, who's gonna win. Like, I, I, I think I, it was one of those things where it was like, I, I kind of saw why it like made sense in theory, right? Like, the Bucks' offensive strategy all year has been just, we're gonna be the best rim protecting team in basketball with Brook Lopez and Giannis, and if teams hit a bunch of threes on us, so be it. Um, if we and they lost, you know, like. 15 games a season doing it so like whatever works um and and then in the, of course the miami heat just are a team that's full of dangerous shooters and so you know like duncan robinson whoever can just like light it up and all of a sudden the heat there's sorry the the buck strategy from this whole regular season sort of backfires now we can get into talking about coach budenholzer maybe we won't do that right now but he's going to continue to get some criticism for being too rigid with his strategies um, and, like, not being able to adjust. He just straight up got outcoached by Eric Spolstra uh, in this series. Um, so that's, that's part of it. Part of it also is, like, if you were to make two defenders in a factory to guard Giannis, you might pick Jim, like, you might make Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. <laughs> um, and so... Explain explain why for, for some people who might not. So Jimmy Butler, while he doesn't have the size to guard Giannis... Um, has unmatched attitude, I would say, is in he plays the game like he's angry and like um, he just wants it. Um, and, and so, so he's hungry, he's scrappy. He's got a little, a little bit of Patrick Beverly in him, I would almost say. In the industry, um, we call them dogs. Yeah, dogs. He, he's a he's dog. A, he is a dog. So, Jimmy, so if you're looking at the definition of a dog, that's Jimmy Butler. <laughs> so, so Jimmy Butler has sort of like a, a killer mentality on the defensive end in. in I think it comes from feeling like he's had to, to earn everything, right? Like he's a guy who was homeless, not like barely ranked in high school, went to Marquette and stayed more went, than like went, went to Juco. how many years? He went to Juco. He went What's to, that? He went to junior college. Junior college. And then went to, and then went to Marquette. Yeah. So basically every step of his career, he's been an underdog and has to work his way out. So there's something about Jimmy Butler that's just like, He's a scary dude. And, and, and not to mention, he's just also a very good defender. D- did you see that he declined to have his family go to the bubble? Just to, like, stay focused? <laughs> he, was like, he was like, this is a business trip. <laughs> like, who he's, are you? And, and, and it, like, in case you don't remember, like, he, he keeps getting like he keeps getting into... We keep, we were talked about this in the podcast before with, like, the Minnesota Timberwolves, right? When he, like, he, he's gotten into some drama before where he's just, like, screamed his head off and, like, cursed out at coaches and things like that. He's a little bit of a problematic guy. Like he's a little bit off his rocker, but it makes him one of the toughest defenders in basketball. Um, and so that's so that's one thing. Is like Jimmy Butler in the clutch. There's almost no one you'd rather have with the basketball or be guarding the guy with the basketball. So Jimmy Butler might be one of the single best fourth quarter slash like end of playoff game players in basketball. Um, which is why I was like, I, I can see it. Is like if the, if it was gonna be a close game going into the last five minutes, the Heat were going to win because Jimmy Butler was going to outplay Chris Middleton and Giannis is not the guy that you want to close out a game offensively. He's just not versatile enough offensively. The thing, the thing that's so remarkable for me is he's closing out games, but 
he's not shooting threes. True. And he's sh- all he, in the mid range. He's shooting more threes in the playoffs than he did in the regular season. But like people his are efficiency has been bad. His, his efficiency from, just from three from Just three from three has three. been yeah. horrible. And even from the mid range, it's been like kind of fine. But like, but it feels like the point, ones that matter. Like Chris in. Middleton is giving him space. Like he's not guarding the three, mm. and Jimmy Butler still gets by him. That's very impressive. Very impressive. I would uh, also say that Giannis should should have been guarding him for game one and game two. Absolutely. And he Defensive wasn't. player of the year, yeah. And he wasn't. And then, and then let me go into Bam real quick. Bam is also, uh, we've talked a lot about Bam this year because he's been in most approved player conversations. He's quickly emerged as a budding young all-star and one of the future sort of prototypical big men, I would argue, in the NBA. Um, and it's because he just does a little bit of everything. Like, if you're looking for the definition of versatility, both in the offensive and defensive end out of the big man position, it's Bam Adebayo. So he's 6'9". He's not the tallest. Um, he's not the heaviest, but he's strong, right? That matches up pretty well with Giannis. He's an elite rim protector, right? Block shots with the best of them, but also can stretch all the way out to the perimeter. He's quicker He's quicker than like a Rudy Gobert, let's say. So he can keep up with Giannis on the perimeter and, and other smaller guys um, because... He's also not like a seven-one dude, who's just like lanky and like lumbers up and down the up and down the court. So he's quick, um, as well as being pretty hard to move in the post and having super good shot blocking instincts and skills. I would say his timing is very good. Um, and I don't need to go into offensive versatility because that's he just is like a good passer. He can score from multiple different levels. Like he's good, but it's mostly the def- the defensive end is like. If you're coming up with a Giannis stopping team, I thought it was going to be the the Seventy Sixers, um, Horford and Bead Simmons before before the uh, before the season started. It ended up being the Heat. Um, they they were the team to guard Giannis, which I, I was like I didn't think was going to happen. I I, yeah. I picked even before the playoffs started. I was like, yeah, the Bucks are gonna are gonna walk through the East. Yeah, like like you'd be like, okay, yeah, from like a hypothetical approach, like exactly. So yeah, hypothetically in a vacuum. Maybe, maybe sure. Like the, the, the he could, could yeah. he could beat the Bucks. Makes sense. I didn't think paper. it would actually happen. But like empirically, like yeah. in, in actual practice, it's like oh, like that, like that happened. Like in my head, from for the, the Bucks past, felt for, too invincible for some reason. For the, for the past three hundred sixty-five days, I was like, oh, it's gonna be the Lakers or the Clippers who play the Bucks in the finals. Yep, exactly. That was Which the only so question. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's like oh, who's coming out of the West? Because yep. we know who's coming out of the East. I I kind of love it now though because. It feels like the Heat, Boston, Toronto, like whoever ends up coming out of the East was like unexpected. Yeah. And it's like, absolutely. and I I love like, like if you had told me for some reason, it doesn't feel like these, any of those teams like have a place in the finals, but at the same same. time, like they made it there. One of them is going to be there. It's like, wait, one of those teams is who the Clippers and Lakers (laughs) are going to be in the finals. Yeah. Which is weird. It feels really strange. But at the same time, it's exciting. It feels, it feels like last year when the Raptors won the championship, I'm like, Oh, like the Raptors are like, they're they're They, they did the same thing that like the Warriors did. And they did the same thing that, that like LeBron's heat did. Like they're all in the same club. It's like, like, when was the last time we had like an Eastern conference team without, or or, sorry, a finals team without like a legit superstar without a, without a top 10 player. Exactly. I I, I, I mean, you could, you could argue like a team is or something like that. uh, But I don't think they are. I don't think Uh, they are. I think think they barely miss it. I think those guys are like top 15. Yeah. Um, Which is so weird. So like, like the fact that we're going to see 
it, it, mostly it's LeBron James. Mostly it's LeBron James has been in the Eastern Conference for his entire career for the last 16 seasons. So it's like any Eastern Conference team, any Eastern Conference you know winner that's going to go to the finals that doesn't have LeBron in it feels weird. Yeah. Um, now, of course, the Raptors did it last year, but it's like, oh, okay, they have Kawhi. Kawhi just a playoff win. Like he just he's just that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so even that didn't feel that surprising. But it's it's going to be really weird now seeing a finals like that doesn't have LeBron in the East. I guess I don't even know. Um, All right. So disc disclaimer. Yeah. We are, we are recording this on Friday. Friday at uh, two o'clock. The 11th, at at two p.m. Yeah. The Lakers Celtics or the the Celtics Raptors game is going to be sometime tonight. Is going to be game on seven in in seven hours. Yeah. So we don't again. know who's going to win. Maybe you do when watching this, <laughs> but we do not. Um. So we got. With, with that being said, we won't spend much time on it because it'll be yeah. irrelevant tomorrow. But who do you have winning tonight? I got the Celtics. I don't want to see them win. I kind of would rather see the Raptors, but I'm going to go with the Celtics. I. Okay, this is weird because the Raptors were down 2-0. Yeah. And the Raptors, they were... Did they tie it up at 2-2? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, did. yeah they did. Okay. They, it was it was 2-2, or it was 2-0, and it was 3-2 Celtics. So both times the Celtics were in, like, power position. Yep. And both times I texted to the group chat. I wish I was on air so I could have said it. But I texted to the group chat. I'm like... Because, like, him don't and... Don't count the Raptors yeah, don't, out. Don't right? count the Raptors out. Because, like, him and, like, like this guy, Nick Marzen, like, they were all saying, like, damn, so who you got? Celtics are heat. And I was like... I, I was did like, I did tweet that. If yeah, you, you go and you look on Space the Floor Twitter... Follow I, us on Twitter at Space the Floor. Because it was... it was The the Bucks hadn't even lost yet, but they were down, like, 3-0. And so... And it was... The Bucks were down 3-0, and the Celtics were up 2-0. So I tweeted out... Or maybe it was 2-1. No, it was tweeted, 2-0. I'm like, you putting them in the same category? Like, so, yes, yeah, so, but, I, but I tweeted out. I was like... I think it. I think it was Celtics up two one. I think the Raptors should come back. But I was That's like, Celtics worse. are still going to win the series. But I was like, who's the new Eastern Conference favorite? Heat or Celtics? Now I didn't say like no other team. I, like at that point, I would argue though at least like those two teams felt like the favorites. They were playing the best basketball. Um, the Raptors have come roaring back, um, and I'm I'm like a little bit proud of myself because I was like, I, I guess I, I'm rooting again for the team that. I sort of picked. I have a tendency to do this. It's like the it's like Jokic and like Giannis when I pick them for MVP. Whenever I make a prediction, I just like root way too hard for it to be true. Which is probably like a it, flaw. I do that yeah, too. But. Yeah. But so I, I said that like if, if I said that the most likely team not it's not named the Bucks to come out of the Eastern Conference was gonna be the Raptors before the season, I think. Um and so it would be cool to see that happen, even though I would still be wrong because I picked the Bucks. Um but I think the Celtics are the better team. Who, so Sorry, who, who would you, who who would you want to go to the finals? I mean, like, if I didn't have like my money on the Raptors from like before the season, sort of as like what happens when it, it if and when the Bucks lose, um, then I think I would say the Celtics. I, really? I I like the like I don't know I don't know why I like Kemba, Jason, Jalen, Gordon, not yeah. so much Marcus Smart, but I like the I like the team. I also I like Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi. Um, but I, I feel like the, the Celtics would be a little bit less of like a walk in the park. I, in, I just don't think that the Toronto Raptors have the, have the, like that guy, the way the Celtics do is in, I, I feel like both Kemba and Jason Tatum can take over late. Maybe even you make an argument for somebody else, like a Jalen Brown or a, a Gordon Hayward, but I'm not even sure Gordon Hayward's going to be healthy for, I think he's ruled out for the rest of the bubble. 
Um, is that because he's having a kid or because he was injured? I know. I know he he's got ha- injured. Oh, I, I know he's he's due to have a kid like like before the finals. Yeah, I I so have that no would idea. Be tough. That would be crazy. That'd be tough. Like, oh, why do you miss the why do you miss the finals? Oh, my child. Yeah, the birth. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm kind of I'm kind of pro Heat, which is weird. Pro, but that's Celtics rap. You mean no, no, Raptors? I, I, or, or, to the question or of who would you who oh, okay. would you most have in the? Oh, I thought like, you went between these two teams. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm I'm rooting for the Heat over these two. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, the okay. Heat. I I really like Jimmy Butler and Bam. So like, I don't I, I don't like really like Jimmy. I just like the entire Heat team, like the way they move the ball. Mm. I like I like yeah, Tyler yeah. Hero. I like Jay Crowder. I like Goran Dragic. I like dude Duncan Robinson is a home. I love Duncan Robinson. Uh, Duncan Robinson story. True. Um, He's got, he and Jimmy Butler both have that like underdog story. Yeah, he was at he was at uh I think it was either Amherst or Williams. It was Williams, it, yeah. He was at Williams for like a year. Which is like a two thousand undergraduate D three college. Yeah. And it's, it's like, like it's a tiny school. He's like I mean, I, he must be a smart dude. Like yeah. cause, I mean, I don't know, just like from the circuits of like northeast like nerdy basketball like mm. like I, I would go to like a showcase and like everyone there is trying to get like the two spots at williams or the two spots at amherst because mm. they're the best of the of the bad d3 schools right but but good academically yeah but great academically that's that's yeah. why you go there over i don't know uh mm. kenyan is always, is always at those things so that's why that's why williams is good because people choose the academics um and so i like i like him for that and then he he after he, he was like like six three or something he got the scholarship he was like a guard which is which is cool um which means he was that good as a guard to get there and then uh, like his sophomore year he just grew five inches <laughs> he grew to six eight and it's like oh like now this That's guy insane. is a is a solid d3 player but he's six eight and he's a point guard <laughs> so i was like oh okay and then he just transferred he to like to a, he went to a d1 powerhouse yeah. like okay um so he, he's a baller um, I, I like I like the way the Miami Heat moved the ball a lot, um, and I think Jason Tatum is probably like the most like fun number one guy that I would want to see in the finals. Yeah, like I agreed. don't like I don't really care about like Jim, uh, Jimmy actually, in the finals. I think like, I like I would I would say that Jimmy and, and Jason Tatum right now are like on a pretty similar level in terms of how good they are. But aesthetically, I like Jason Tatum better. That's fair. He's more appealing because he's younger. He he gets more of the like social media hype, you and, know? and also I don't know he's kind of smooth there. Like I don't, Ooh, I don't know, okay. yeah. Okay. Like, I, I don't love wa- hits, watching... hits threes instead of mid range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't I don't love watching Jimmy play. Um, okay, that's fair. Dude, Tyler Harrow about to make me act up, bro. I, I feel like 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 really quickly, even though this is kind of old news, the seven we should mention the 76ers getting swept. Oh yeah, um, that's crazy. They but were I mean, supposed yeah. to lose a series without Ben Simmons. Like that's pretty obvious, but getting swept, like. Yeah, dude. So, so I guess my question is, me and you, we've we, like, us and the rest of the NBA world have been talking about forever. Like, okay, so, you know, Ben Simmons and, and Joel Embiid are probably gonna have to get switched up, switched up, or like, you know, get split up eventually. But at what point is is the right time? You know, like, when do you make that call? And I was like, okay, well, like, they're not gonna lose in the first round, but like, if they lose in the <laughs> second round, maybe that's too soon. You know. <laughs> But like, losing in the first round in a sweep is like pretty bad. Regard like, despite the fact that you don't have Ben Simmons, the fact that Joel Embiid couldn't get you one game on the Celtics. Yeah, dude. Like, like, t- like. And uh, you're paying Daniel Tice isn't this monster? Exactly. And, and you're paying like you're paying Al Horford and Tobias Harris like combined like 
80 million dollars that's year. so bad dude that, the horford contract is awful it's it's so it's, bad they're for, both so overpaid the, but the the yeah i, I want to do a video on this i'm pretty sure they're i'm pretty sure they're actually like a bunch of youtube videos that are actually really good on this but our, ours will be better but, <laughs> but so you should you should like subscribe to us um but i think that the ultimate killer in in a potential contender is having one bad contract that's what. That's why the Warriors. Sure. That's why the Warriors were able. That's how you get. That's how you have a more than one championship team. But it's also also even how you have a one championship team. A lot of I, the time. I think it is because like the no matter what the 76ers do, I'm going to believe if Tobias Harris is on the 76ers, they cannot win a championship. It, no matter no is, matter what you do, if if you get LeBron on yeah. the team, they can't win a championship. If you if you get if you get LeBron and uh, I don't know. They can't afford Anthony the, Davis. The, so the problem is like if, if you're if you're at home thinking right now like okay, well the 76ers all they're missing is some shooting. They don't have the money to get more shooting. They don't. Unless you're taking unless you're taking on like minimum contracts, you don't have the money to get more shooting. And they've just left and right just like made the wrong choice. Is in like this past offseason they chose to re-sign Tobias Harris and 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 then also bring in Al Horford instead of re-signing Jimmy Butler. And and resigning uh, JJ Redick, yeah. that looks so stupid. Elton Brand, say okay. So here's the thing with Elton Brand, who is the the general manager of the 76ers. He was brought in like a year and a half ago or two years ago, and since then they've been very aggressive in the trade market. They, you have to give them credit for that. They they traded for Tobias Harris mm-hmm. and gave away uh, I don't know like Landry Shamit and a pick or something. They they uh, they signed Al Horford. They traded for Jimmy Butler. Yep. Um, yeah, and and then they they made decisions to let guys go, which are also very bold decisions. And then even at the deadline, they trade for two shooters in Glenn Robinson and Alec Burks, which are like I know those aren't the same names, but like they're still like assets, right? That, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is that you have to you have to give like people are criticizing the Bucks right now basically for not doing enough to capitalize on like the fact they have the honest like they them getting they have basically haven't done anything to improve the roster since trading for eric bledsoe they basically made one trade since Giannis blossomed to like put them in position and the only other major move really so you signed brooke lopez too i guess but like that wasn't like it was a hot commodity it was just like it happened to work out really well um and the only other major move was the fact that you let malcolm brogdon go and look at how bad that looks um so people are criticizing the bucks right now for not doing enough to help out Giannis, you can't say the same thing about the 76ers. They've gone all in on trying to win a championship with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. I think this could be viewed as... The problem as, is they're, they're doing the wrong... Like they're, this they're, could be viewed it's as... It's kind of backfiring. This could be viewed as not the worst-case scenario, because like the Brooklyn Nets in 2013 are the worst-case mm. scenario for, of going all in. But I think this could be like... the This could be an argument for not going all in. This could, this could be like, oh, what happens if, if we go in, but we trade for the wrong guy or we sign the wrong guy? Yeah. Um, and then we we lost our assets. And not only did we lose our assets, this guy's bad. So we can't, we can't, it like bind, it ties our hands behind our back. So we can't yep. do anything. And that, that's why the 76ers, no matter what they do, if, if they have Tobias Harris, or I think if they have Al Horford, if they have Al Horford and then you put like LeBron and Joel Embiid together, I don't think they'll win a ring. Because they have no cap space. They if they have LeBron and Joel Embiid and Al Horford, they have to sign all minimum players. Yeah, and I mean if you don't if you don't totally know how NBA money works, you might be thinking like, oh, there's someone out there that'll be like 
yeah, sure, we'll take we'll take Tobias Harris as like we'll we'll go all in now. You know, and like who cares if we use a bad contract? We'll take him on for the next two years as a shit. No, you need to actually have the money to match Tobias Harris's contract. So if they give up Tobias Harris or Al Horford, if somebody decides to take them on, so like there's a trade that keeps being thrown out there. It's like the Rockets are going to take on Al Horford because he's sort of the perfect five for like their small ball thing um, next to Russell Westbrook, you know, like with Russell Westbrook. We could talk about all day about like whether that would actually be smart, but they would have to take on a lot of money just to get Al Horford off the books. So the thing is, it doesn't work that like if somebody will take on your, your bad contract that all of a sudden like you're free. Like, no, you would, then you just end up with other bad contracts and maybe it's, two bad contracts that amount to that one bad one and then it's easier to keep splitting up and like you know trading out but or maybe they expire sooner but they don't expire right yeah, then. yeah exactly know? so so then you end up you end up losing like, and then when you do have a player who has a big contract they're not worth nearly as much as they would be if they were on a small contract isn't the other team is kind of doing you a favor <laughs> by taking on that bad contract and they know it so they're going to be asking for, they're going to be giving you less value in return than that player is worth just in terms of how good they are. So that's why the, the big contracts are such a problem is that now you're stuck with it. If it doesn't work out, you can't get rid of it without taking a huge hit to your future. Um, you're going to have to throw on picks on top of Al Horford to, to buy shares if you want to get rid of them. So the 76 are in a bad spot is basically what we're saying. Um, so that was... 2k my gm tutorial by connor philander <laughs> sorry sorry like sorry if you for enjoy that sorry for that tangent um <laughs> that was that was good that was a fire explanation it was very good thank you uh um, I, I guess we should we should jump down to we haven't really talked about the lakers and rockets and then the clippers and nuggets other than like i i'm very confident saying that both la teams are gonna win they're going gonna to win this series yes they're going to um if they don't I, you think that either of them will steal will steal game five i think I think both of them will, will steal game five. So you think we you think it'll be uh, I think four it'll, two four two. I think it'll be four two four two. Um, but I I think that just the the key difference for me is last night um, the Lakers Rockets Lakers won. This was game four. Everything went right for the Lakers. Not even like oh yeah the fifty fifty balls it was luck like yeah like the Lakers did everything correctly versus the Rockets. The Lakers are playing really well. They are, and it not, it's not like offensively. It's they like it, their it's defense, it's, yeah. it's their defense right because I, I think that on offense they're doing good. They're getting they're getting shots inside, but I think they're deterring the Rockets from getting shots inside, which is really good because like Harden like what the Lakers were doing last night is they were. They were trapping Harden like pretty much when he came across half court, and so then then Harden kept point all game long. He kept pointing to Jeff Green like, "Hey, get to the free throw line, and then we can open up the defense because then it's a four on three. Yeah. And Jeff Green just kind of would like be super tentative, or when it happened, the Lakers would either get a steal or like force like a a bad awkward three or bad awkward mid range. I'm giggling to myself a little bit about you saying um, deterring the Rockets from taking shots inside <laughs> because the Rockets just don't take shots no, they, inside no, normally. No, they, they do. They, 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 don't, they don't take mid-ranges. They, they take shots. They like only take they, threes. They take layups. In like layups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I see, what you're, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. No. I, I, think, I, don't, I don't think that you're wrong. I think that I, the Lakers, like when you have Anthony Davis guarding your paint, you're going to like be a scary defensive also, team. Also, why is like Alex Caruso so good at defense, bro? <laughs> 
he was also clamping been, hard. He was knocked down last night. Yeah, you remember yeah. he he hit he the hit dagger. Like two big three. Yeah, he hit, he the, hit dagger the dagger three, and he also hit like a off dribble to his left, like to the left three. I don't um, know, but like, I don't know if I want to like rely on that versus like yeah, the yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I we can we'll, we'll get to our, our finals pick in one second, but I I think that more than anything, it's just like I I guess I'm I'm sort of like taking this with a grain of salt. I think the Lakers are playing really well right now, but I don't know how much to think the Lakers are playing really well and how much to think like. This just they just could not be matched up better against the Rockets, right? Like, what are the Rockets supposed to do against Anthony Davis? They're like, like people are praising PJ Tucker and Robert Covington, whoever else, dude, and James Harden so for good, Anthony, Davis, for so Anthony Davis's for that, defense. Man. And the thing about it, their defense on Anthony Davis is like, it still is doing nothing. Yeah, no, but he, but the on no, honestly, they they were doing a very you're, good job. You're forcing with Anthony him to Davis. take like weird step back mid ranges. Yeah, yeah, which is awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> blind issue <laughs> just ignore that um but it's like anthony davis is still shooting like 65 percent from the field so whatever you whatever you say about like how great pj tucker is playing defensively it hasn't it hasn't mattered like anthony davis is still just eating him alive so i think it's like relative to expectations um relative to like the size difference yeah, sure. Like relatively, even the skill difference. Yeah, sure. He's playing pretty good defense on Anthony Davis. But don't let that deter you, like you know, blind you from the fact that Anthony Davis is still like kind of obliterating them. Um, no, he, he is obliterating like, them. Like, the, like basically, like him and LeBron are just not missing at the rim. Like they're they've both missed like you know one. They most miss like miss like miss like one shot at the rim per game, and they'll take like <laughs> ten. And it's just, oh like, yeah, yeah yeah I saw a. Uh... I saw a post on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram at Space the Floor, by the way. Um, it was by NBA Chop Shop, who's a phenomenal account. Phenomenal account. I think that's what, what I'm thinking of. Are you? Yeah. It, it's like LeBron has missed two shots that are twos this game. No, no, no Two uh, shots the, in the paint this game. Anthony, er, th- this series, series. Yeah. Anthony Davis has missed one shot in the paint this series, and Kuzma has, has missed one shot in the paint this series. Yeah. So it's it's basically that that's what I'm saying is I think I think actually to the Rockets' credit, they do a pretty good job of swarming Anthony Davis and LeBron every time they sort of try to go inside, um, and, and so you're sort of forced them to take like a little bit of like deep twos, but it's when when they do get Anthony Davis in position down low or when LeBron James does split the defense, it's game over. They just like give up and it's like it's an instant two, um, and I think. I, I forget who it was. It might have been, you know, like uh, Van Gundy or something. I don't know. Somebody like that. One of the commentators was kept kept mentioning, it's like, the Rockets are playing the Lakers as if three-point shooting is one of their strong suits when really it's like a weakness. You know, you, you should be a lot more worried about LeBron and Anthony Davis inside because they're going to do their damage at the basket, which I thought was a good point. It, it feels like every time Anthony Davis gets the ball, they're both swarming him and being cautious that he's going to pass out. But it's like... Just take away the fact that Anthony Davis is about to dunk all over PJ Tucker right now. And so I think what I was trying to was trying to iterate, which I had the box score in front of me, which helps me now, that the Lakers obliterated micro ball. And of course they're yeah. supposed to because they're the Lakers and they start two centers. But rebounding numbers, the Lakers had fifty nine rebounds, the Rockets had thirty three last night. That's a that's a twenty six yeah. rebound difference. Yeah. You have and offensive rebounds, twelve to one. 
That that's what it was. You the can't all, win like that. There were so many yeah. offensive rebounds. It it was obscene. I don't care how many threes you're hitting. You can't and, win like that. Yeah, and then and then that leads to fast break, right? Because yep. the, the Lakers had 19 fast fast break points. The Rockets had two because they couldn't buy a stop. And then lastly, points in the paint. The Rockets had 24 points in the paint. So this is what I was saying. The Ro- the Rockets had 24 points in the paint. The Lakers had 62. <laughs> 62. Jeez. So yeah. that's almost double. Yeah. No, that's, that's I'm sorry, more that's, than that's double. That's more yeah. than double. Yeah. It's almost triple. Oh, my gosh. All right. But we have covered how, how much the Lakers are. Uh, yeah, I don't even think the Rockets are going to steal game five, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, who knows? Maybe maybe that'll look stupid in a couple of days. But um, I, I, I'm going to pick the Lakers to win in five. And I'm going to say the Nuggets steal one game, but only because I'm a Jokic fan. <laughs> and maybe I'm delusional. Delusional. Um, <laughs> this man is literally delusional Jokic fan. But let's let's talk about... Assuming both Cl- the, both Laker or sorry both LA teams move on, um, uh, we can talk about you know Boston and Toronto both playing Miami. Yeah, yeah. What do you think the conference finals look like, and then the finals? Okay, so I think I think Lakers beat Clippers in seven. I think Lakers beat Clippers in seven, and I think Game Seven will be like close, but it won't be like down to the buzzer close. I think game seven, the Lakers will have been by like eight. I feel like I've been saying sort of all season Clippers over Lakers. You have. And I'm going to stick with that. You um, are. I, I'm I also in seven. I, I think it's really close. And to me, it comes down to like, this has been the finals all year to me in my mind is like whoever wins between the Clippers and the Lakers when they inevitably match up in the Western Conference finals is going to win the a- actual finals. But um, hey, that's what we said last year. That is, that's true. That's what we said. We were like, oh, over who, the right, who, the Raptors, who, yeah. yeah. Whoever, whoever wins, uh, I'm pretty sure it was like, oh yeah, who's gonna win the Warriors versus Rockets? The the winner is gonna win the finals. Now, I mean, or the Warriors. I would still argue that like if the Warriors had be- had better luck with their health, you know, they absolutely they, they absolutely would have won. Um, so like, I'm not really scared to make that prediction this year. And if it somehow happens again that like the two like two of the three best players on um, on the on one of those teams get injured in the finals, God forbid. Like, if that's why that prediction's not true, then like that's just bad luck. Um, uh, I'm gonna okay. So let's say Boston matches up with Miami. Give me Miami and yo, you madman, you absolute menace. Yeah, give me Miami you... and six. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you saying the same thing? I I, I have no idea. I have not contemplated this. <laughs> and if they and if Miami goes against Toronto, dude, that would be the ultimate two K nightmare. Dude, I'm thinking so, this is <laughs> dude, so hard. Dude, because how, they have who's gonna score for either team? <laughs> this is yeah, well yeah, but also it's like you think about like um I don't know. I think about these teams the same way. It's like full of dogs. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> it's gonna be a dog fest. Like like these two teams, the ones whose culture get praised all the time by like NBA heads. It's like. Miami had a really nice culture. I'll, I'll also add that Miami. I also saw this on NBA Chop Shop, but I've thought about it before. Miami, Boston, Toronto, very similar franchises. All have, all have, um, not a history of winning, but they they all have. Well, Boston definitely does. Yes, yes. I I will say, they all have excellent general managers, like three of the top five in in Pat Riley for the for the Heat, um, Danny Ainge for the Celtics, and Masai Ujiri for the for the Raptors. They have top five coaches in Brad Stevens for the Celtics, Eric Spolstra for the Heat, 
um, Nick Nurse for Toronto. Agreed. And they all just have dog culture. True. Yeah, and I would they, say. Yeah. Yeah, I would say in general, Salt Lakes have like dog culture. I would say that the the, the heat in the uh, the heat in the Raptors embody it more with their play right now um, than the than the Celtics do for like sort of like a gritty kind of play. And and also, but, I I think they also have very 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 good talent development. True. Those are all good points. Yeah. I I like these three teams to be honest. Kind of wh- whoever ends up in the finals, I think it'll be fun watching them. Um, but I'm gonna say I'm gonna say either way, whoever comes out of the game tonight, Miami's gonna be in six, and then I'm gonna pick Miami to lose in six to the Clippers. Huh. I I think that I have the Lakers coming out of the West, and I think. Oh, this is tough. I kind of think the Celtics are going to win in seven, but I hope that tonight. They, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Gonna, no, I think. Oh, I think they're going to win tonight in seven. And but I, but I hope, but seven? I hope not. And then I think they're going to beat the Heat in seven, but I hope not. So you're rooting for the Raptors tonight in the Heat, and then <laughs> yeah. against yeah. the Raptors. And I, bet, I think they're both going to lose. <laughs> so you, you think your like heart is wrong? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I think my heart is wrong. So I think I think Fair. this I think the Celtics are going to the chip. They're going to play the Lakers. I think uh, I don't know. I feel like uh, I, I I'm very curious what they did this year against the Lakers. Like I could totally see them losing in five. The Heat? No, the the, the Celtics. I could totally see them losing in five to the Lakers. I mean, maybe it doesn't matter. But like this is the Celtics team that like gave LeBron a scare a few years ago, basically. So yeah, maybe LeBron just. Has his kryptonite. I don't know. I'll say... No. No, he doesn't. (laughs) Um, Okay, I'm going to be not as bold. I'm going to say Lakers over Celtics in six. Okay. But I I hope the Heat get there. Okay. That seems fair. By the way, I'm I'm picking the five seed to make it to the finals and then go six (laughs) with the best teams in basketball. Yeah, man. You should be wearing this jersey. Yeah, for real. For real. Although I, ho- I hope you're right. I hope you're right for the Heat's sake. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate your support. Yes. Now I'm going to be the biggest Heat fan because I've just picked them. <laughs> you, but yeah, you are. Goes, you're going to be the worst. My, like, <laughs> my prediction mentality. I think, really I think really quickly before we before we wrap the episode, thank you to listening to our, for, to our sort of playoff ramble as we play catch-up. Playoff um, ramble. We should, we should cover the head coaching stuff. Um, yeah. First of all, Nets hiring Steve Nash, kind of out of left field. Dude. Yeah, that was crazy, man. What, what do you think? Go ahead. You start um, off. I think that this was... I, I would have been very, very, very surprised if it was not a former player, knowing Kyrie and KD. Like, they, they, they fired a very X's and O's... Or, well, X's and X, O's. X's and O's coach. They, they fired a very... You think was super uh, X's okay. and O's? Um, not, not super X's and O's, but super, like, super, super like, coachy. You know, like super coachy. There's a difference between like guys that have grown. No, there, there's there's a concrete difference between guys that have grown up their whole life coaching and guys that have been players and then become coaches, right? I'm okay. pretty sure. I'm pretty sure mostly across the board, that's kind of there's kind of a difference there. Um, so I think they you kind probably of, have to be a better coach to make it as a coach if you've never been a player. 
Yeah, is I, that well, what I would no, say. You you have to be better at just the fundamentals of coaching, but there are exactly. reason there are yeah, 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 there are yeah. reason there are player coaches because they have a whole different aspect. Because they that's, can relate, they can have a, di- a unique relationship with the players. That, say, that's why like, Ty Lue's a thing. You ha- you have probably have to be pretty talented to make to like make a name for yourself as an NBA head coach caliber guy, having no connection to the NBA. So in Kenny Atkinson, probably spent a long time developing their reputation, whereas Steve Nash, and you know, one two yeah. one two MVPs on the court, not. Yeah, and honestly, you know, not I working his way up often. That works for anything. That's works yeah. for general managers too. True. Um, True. So I think, I think Kenny Atkinson is probably okay. This is I I, I like it's so weird. Steve Nash has never coached. I don't know how. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know how he would coach. Spit it out. Make your predictions. Um, I think that Kenny Atkinson is probably a better coach than Steve Nash. But I think that like, hey, I would also say Kenny Atkinson is a better coach than Tyron Lue, and Tyron Lue is an NBA mm. champion. Mm. He's an NBA champion head coach. Um, and obviously, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, I was totally not surprised that they chose a player coach, just like yeah. just like LeBron and Katie or LeBron and Kyrie chose a player coach and Tyron Lue. From from everything I've, I seem to be hearing, um, one of the biggest pros with Steve Nash seems to be that like Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant were sort of all in on him. Like they were the one, they were the one, they're sort of the biggest advocates for Steve Nash as the head coach. Um, Steve Nash, if you didn't know, I didn't know this until recently, until after the hire, I just sort of forgot it or something. He was he's been uh sort of working under Steve Kerr in Golden State. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. So he wasn't technically an assistant coach. So he's never actually been a coach that sits on the bench. He's but kind he of would player development. Like, exactly. So he'd be there like in practice some days. So I think Katie um has spent some time with Steve Nash, you know, doing drills and whatever, doing shooting stuff. Uh like in, in, with with the Warriors. So I think I think Katie was probably advocating pretty hard for that reason. And I think that Kyrie Irving would love to be, you know, with an MVP Hall of Fame point guard, right? Like, it makes sense. Um, so, so yeah. So, so, I think that's sort of one of the biggest pros and one of the biggest reasons they made that hire is to keep those guys happy because they're your stars after all. Um, and I bet that sort of part of the agreement was like, we'll hire whatever coach you want us to uh, if you come play, you know, if you come play here. Um, so, that, that makes sense to me. Um, you know, the other pros is like, he probably has a great offensive mind. Um, I think sporting logically is the one who phrased that way. Great offensive mind. Um, like, this is where the like white privilege question starts to come in. Is like Stephen A. Smith was the one who originally brought this up, and then Charles Barkley sort of refuted the claim. But it's like, do you think he's smart at yeah. offense because he's white? Because everybody who's listening who's listening to this, if you ask them, who are the best? P- passers of basketball who are the highest iq players in basketball a lot of the guys that you're going to name are probably white john stockton you can yeah yeah. john stockton larry bird jason kidd steve nash right um now of course you're going to say guys like magic johnson too but there's a there's a disproportionately high number of white players who get associated with that group for a league that's like i don't know what the figure is but it's like 80 plus percent black um that's just the way it is. It's like there's a disproportionately high number of players when you go through that list of the best passers ever or the highest IQ players ever. Um, and, and that, that's like generally agreed upon, um, not like our own list. Um, so, so we can talk about like, do we think that Steve Nash is a smart player and a great offensive mind just because he's white? Or is he actually? Probably some of both, if we're being realistic. Yeah. Like, it's probably some of both. Um, the one thing I think I don't... I don't think that Charles... I, I, I agree to some extent with Charles Barkley because I think that his point that 
Jason Kidd, Doc Rivers, Mark Jackson, Steve Kerr have all done it before, right? You have these, you have lots of other examples of players with no, no, like former point guards with no coaching experience going right to head coaching spot. And that's a pretty good mix of white and black, uh, like players, coaches. Um, So, so it's, it's, and even like Tyron Lewis, it's not like, it's not like the only players who have ever done it before are white guys. Yeah. Um, even though they obviously Steve Kerr and Jason Kidd are, and now Steve Nash. Well, it's, uh, I think Jason Kidd is mixed. Is he really? I I, I, I would so. I would I didn't know. Um, so, I don't know. It, it's it's an interesting conversation, and you you could talk about that forever. I think that the I think that the like sort of stigma or like in your subconscious telling you that that's that's the case, probably telling you that like Steve Nash is a great basketball mind. There's probably some truth to that. It, there probably it probably is a white privilege thing to some extent. Um, but I think it's important to recognize that, like, it's, like, it's not the, the he's not the only point. Those aren't the only point guards who have ever done it before. Um, now, there's another good point, which is like, why don't you hire one of the guys, one of these former player, former point oh, like, guards, like Mark Jackson? So yeah, so I, why I don't you hire? Who was the guy who, who was the guy who said that was Stephen A's point? I think is like, so so Tyron Lue, whatever, Mark Jackson are the are guys who have who are in Steve Nash's position, except for the fact they've never won an MVP before. And they've also, like, Tyron Lue is a, ch- a former championship coach, so clearly he has the experience. So why do you not go for Tyron Lue? You go for Steve Nash? He was saying that that's white privilege. Fair point. As who, you were saying. Yeah, who, who's the guy who, when Tom Thibodeau got hired for the Knicks, was it Nick Young? Or, I don't know, someone came out and was like, okay, you 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 see like Tom Thibodeau is getting his third chance, whereas Mark Jackson has mm-hmm. only had one and he's been done, you know. And he was good, like he was solid. Yeah, yeah. I, I would rather have had the Knicks sign Mark Jackson than Tom Thibodeau, just because I I remember I you Tom, saying I that. hate Tom Thibodeau, but I don't. <laughs> I don't think that's like like a white privilege thing, but like I, I don't know. I like to, I'm, I'm I'm trying to be optimistic about the Tom Thibodeau yeah. thing. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's it's really interesting. Yeah, but anyway, the Steve Nash the Steve Nash hire kind of out of left field, a little bit controversial. Not just because of that point that Stephen A made, but also because it's like why it, him a little bit. And but, it's also this is important. Like this team yeah, could be this, in the, this, is, this, this team is, could yeah. totally be in the finals next year, right? This team so could it, win it feels risky, especially because they fired Kenny Atkinson, who was a good coach to hire Steve Nash. Yep. Um, Let's go on to Billy exactly, Donovan, yeah. the other coaching change. Uh, Billy Donovan was. I'm pretty sure he was tied for first in terms of the coach of the year from coach voting. Like three of them, right? Or maybe it was yeah. two, and there was there one was who's two. one behind. There was two. Right? He, he tied with Mike Budenholzer for the coach's coach of the year. Just I mean, based it was like of Nick Nurse was one vote Nick, yeah, off. Nick, yeah, Nick Nurse was with third. With a three-way tie. Um, and so uh, the Thunder announced that they're not going to bring uh, Billy Donovan back, so mm-hmm. he's not going to be the coach next year. Um, he wasn't like quote unquote fired, but they're just not resigning yeah. him. His yeah. contract expired. Yeah, and they could have if they wanted to, or if he yeah. wanted to. Um, so before I give my strong opinion, what what are your thoughts? Um, to be honest, I was a little bit surprised because the because the Thunder had such a good season relative to expectations. There is no one in the NBA who will say that the Thunder had a disappointing season. Um, and we tend to see coaches get fired after their teams have disappointing seasons, and you need someone to blame it on. So, Billy Donovan has been criticized a lot in the past 
for I, particularly when Russell Westbrook was on the team and it was like MVP Russell Westbrook and everybody was in love with him. They blamed Bill, Billy Donovan basically caught a lot of criticism for like from me not running offensive sets or like he didn't run the, plays. The offense is just like clear. Just give Russell Westbrook and get out of the way. It was and it's kind of true. So <laughs> it so people was. so 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 Billy Donovan. I think both of us have criticized him for that in the past. So to some extent, I kind of get it. I don't think Billy Donovan is an excellent coach. This year, the Thunder looked pretty well coached to me. The, the, I think the biggest question is, and I forget who I saw say this, but it, it made a lot of sense to me, is who is the great coach on the Thunder, Chris Paul or Billy Donovan? Oh, yeah, no, that's exactly my point. Chris Paul was Chris Paul was uh, tied for first place in, in, the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. in the coaches' coach of the year. So, they, they were voting for Chris Paul. They were not voting for Billy Donovan. So, so that's the point, is if it's like, if, if that success... Because I was argue, I would argue that all of a sudden the Thunder looked like a really good coach, really well coached team out of nowhere. But the Billy, same year Billy that, Donovan, yeah, Billy, the same year Chris Paul comes. Yeah. Billy Donovan has been coached this team for four or five years. Yeah, and they've been poorly coached for four of those five years. Yep. So 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 yeah. So I would lean into saying like the success on the coaching end and the X's and O's stuff probably stems from Chris Paul. Now. Is there a chance that like Billy Donovan learned something from Chris Paul, and the fact that he's been on this, been the coach of this team for a long time should probably help? Like, should you maybe give him another chance now? At least it's just like one more year. Um, you you test it out. I don't know. Like, it's really hard to judge when you keep, when you're not like in the locker room seeing it if you're just watching on TV because you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But I'm gonna give a lot of the credit to Chris Paul um, and say that. I don't think it's crazy that they would fire Billy Donovan. Although I'm a little bit surprised. Yeah, I think good decision by the Thunder. There's the amount of coaching changes has been unprecedented this off season. True. I don't I don't know what to attribute that to. I think coaching purge. Yeah, a coaching purge for like not not for no reason because a lot of the moves are good, but just very random. I feel I remember this happened like two or three years ago. Maybe it goes in like waves it's true as the new coaches get hired and then give them like two to three years to like be fireable and then they get fired probably a lot of it is just coincidence like uh, uh, yeah but i remember maybe it's I remember all it like could also three be years like, ago like half the league's coaches got fired yeah it, it could also be now that i'm thinking about it like the like gms owners whoever have basically had like four months to think about it so we basically had an entire off season <laughs> so it's like <laughs> on day one of the offseason they're ready to go like to make the like to make the call so that could be part of it too is it feels like it all happened at once because they've been basically been waiting to get eliminated to make the call um i don't know it's 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 weird and you're right that it's like it's all happened it's all happened and all of a sudden it's you know coaching purge but yeah that's sort of all i've got all right thank you so much for listening to this episode of space floor nba podcast we're back uh, in person, happy to be back. Uh, if you liked this on YouTube, like and subscribe. Uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we're on Spotify now. Uh, follow, uh, leave a review, and follow us on Instagram at Space Floor Podcast and on Twitter at Space the Floor. And thank you so much. My name is Connor Gillen. And I'm Connor Flannery. And see you next time. Peace. Shout out to Lou Dort. Shout out to Lou Dort. Game <laughs> seven Dort. <laughs>